Welcome to the SPS Digital Learning Hour, brought to you by the Digital Learning and Assessment Department. We're coming to you today from a conference room in Central Office, bringing you the latest news in Springfield Public Schools in regards to technology, along with inspiring interviews from teachers who are using technology in the classroom. So thanks for joining us today. I am your host, Mike Thomas, the Beard of Tech Ed Guy. And I'm super excited to share with you one of the last couple of podcasts for this series of podcasts for this season as we are approaching the end of the school year. Woohoo! Woohoo! So just a couple of quick notes. Make sure that you're going out to MySPS to get the updates. Make sure you're doing your safe schools training that is due at the end of June, I believe. I don't know. I did all mine. They're long. Make sure that you go in there and give yourself time to do them. Also, check out the blog. We have been posting some blog articles, and they have been awesome. And they're super helpful for those of us using technology and thinking about how to better improve our technology use with students. The latest one out there is all about Schoology Portfolio. It's a great tool. I've got a lot of thoughts and opinions on it. And also, if you missed it, the one prior to that was all about STEM Read, which is a great program. I love it. And if I were still teaching in the classroom, I would definitely be using a lot of the resources from there because, oh, I love reading. I love English. And STEM Read is taking classic literature and current modern literature and taking the science in them and applying it in the classroom. So they take a look at things and they use books like the one and only Ivan, Artemis from Andy Weir, to Ender Games, to a book series called The Testing Series. Awesome books, by the way. And even to like War of the Worlds and so many others. There's a lot of great resources that they provide, lesson plans, videos, understanding of how the actual science works. And even all the way down to the younger grades with like Good night, good night, construction site and the wild robot. So go and check those blog posts out. There'll be a couple more coming out before we wrap up this season. I know that I'll be updating the blog throughout the summer too. Um, so you can also keep your eye out on that. If you are a secondary, middle school, and high school teacher, knowing that's where we're making the move from unified classroom to Unified Classroom 2.0, otherwise known as Schoology. Be on the lookout. You will be enrolled into some PD. Um, and there are a lot of PD opportunities out there if you go out to TeachPoint, um, ones that you can even get paid for over the summer with it. So we're just excited about next year and taking all the things we've learned from this year and applying it next year. So Join us in that journey and join us in preparing you for the next evolution of your learning management system. With all that said, I am super excited to get into today's interview of the week. So our interview of the week is with Catherine Chase from the Conservatory. I am super excited to share this with you. It was a great time talking with her. We talked about things pre-pandemic, during pandemic, continuing during pandemic and things that we're looking forward to for next school year and even with this school year. And so I encourage you to listen and take and glean what you can.
My name is Catherine Chase. I'm an ILS at the conservatory. I uh, currently teach AP statistics. I have been teaching in Holyoke and Springfield for the past 15 years. Nice. So 15 years, moving up to an ILS. So in those early years of teaching, I'm not exactly sure when you moved up to be an ILS, but in those early years, what kind of technology did you end up using in the classroom, whether it was Holyoke or Springfield? So when I started in Holyoke, um, I was there for 10 years and I've been um, last five in Springfield. We didn't even have any form of computers. There was no technology. Um, my second year, we got a whiteboard. Um, so it was uh, blackboards and chalkboards before that. So what we actually, uh, what I actually ended up doing was buying my own tablets and projector. We didn't even have a projector. So I bought a tablet and a projector so that I could annotate and make my own smart board. So I got into the technology pretty early because there was no way to actually truly engage these kids who obviously even... 15 years ago, we're very much into technology and we didn't have any in the classroom. So that's when I started creating my own, like um, uh, different tools to use. Awesome. Well, then making that jump about five years ago then to Springfield, that must have kind of like whoosh, opened up the doors for you. I started at the conservatory, which was actually in a building that was more than 100 years old. So we was back to chalkboards again. <laughs> But I, <laughs> I know what building you're talking about. Yes. So um, I was actually able to, I still had all my stuff from Holyoke. So thankfully, Springfield did provide me with a projector and a laptop. So that was nice. I actually had two of my laptops get broken while they were my personal ones at school. Just accidents happen. And so mm -hmm. it was nice to not have to bring in my own laptop and, you know, projector now. But at least I was used to having a tablet. In this case, I um, actually got a Surface Book or a Surface Pro at that point, um, so that I could write and annotate. And the students really appreciated that. Awesome. I love the Surfaces. I then When it comes to replace our own personal ones at home, that's the route I'm going for that. Yeah. <laughs> so that conservatory building, I know which one you're talking about, not the most reliable internet. <clears throat> <No>. <laughs> so, but that still would have moved to last school year, at least at the beginning of the school year, uh, like nice. you were, you guys were in the new building. So yes. how did technology change once you were there? Oh, it's phenomenal. It's a gorgeous building, a gorgeous setup. Um, smart boards, obviously, in every room. What I found really cool, too, is actually the integrated sound system so that the sound system's through the entire room, through the ceiling. So when you're showing videos, you can um, really engage all the students because they can hear from no matter where they are. There's no more tripping over cords as you're trying to get around your projector. <laughs> um, and so there's a lot more technology that we were able to use. So that was really nice. Awesome. So, do, so doing AP statistics, I'm assuming that's what you were doing last year too. Yes. Yes, um, what kind of activities would you have the students using their school laptops for? Like, were there any programs that you used? So not, not too much for that. We had, um, they primarily use the uh, TI-84, the calculator apps through there. Um, I've gotten much better at finding applets online this year, obviously, for them to use. So um, I would do some of the modeling for them. It's a lot of hands-on activities, which obviously is much more difficult in a, a, a Zoom setting, a remote setting. But um, no, we, we did use their computers a lot, even um, before 
um, the shutdown, I use Nearpod to like engage the students and get them to support the bilingual learners by having the subtitles on in Spanish on my PowerPoint as I'm projecting and then the Nearpod up so that they could have a lot of different ways of accessing the, the curriculum there. That's awesome. Um, were you a Desmos user or did you find something else? Um, I was a Desmos user prior to teaching AP statistics. And I actually write before the shutdown, went, uh, spent a day as a, um, at a Desmos conference on how to use it and integrate it into the classroom. And I had for the month of April, set up a whole bunch of modeling and going into um, different classrooms for Desmos for the MCAS, which didn't end up happening last year, obviously. So I may be going back and doing that this year when we get back, if the, um, you know, the middle schoolers are coming back because the conservatory is six through 12. So I will see some students, but I don't even know when my own students are coming back or the, obviously the rest of the high school students. So I, I do really like Desmos. It's a fantastic program. Yeah, I do too. Especially because it's easily integratable into anything. That brings us up to March of last year, a year ago, or yeah, around a year ago now, from when we had to all step away. As an ILS, you were an ILS last year, I'm yes. guessing. Yeah. As school leadership, how did you guys approach what you were going to do for the rest of last school year? So we spent a lot of time getting our, the conservators to set up so that people have PLCs every day. And so we use that time as, okay, technology, who's doing what, what's working, what's not working, how can we help you? So that was really, we had the setup already in place to really engage uh, the teachers so that we could get it, so we could get them the necessary resources they needed. Here's a training on Zoom. I made lots of videos because that's what I like to do. So I made lots of videos to push out to teachers and do as much help as we possibly could in order to get them the support that they needed in this crazy time when nobody, you know, it was like, oh, we'll be back in two weeks, you know, bring your plant home maybe, but we should be back in two weeks. It might be fine. It, it should be fine. And then it just being like, really another, okay, are we coming back? No, I don't think we're coming back. Oh, we'll be back in September. Nope. <laughs> so using, building up through the summer, and expecting to come back in hybrid was also pretty interesting because we spent a lot of our time over the summer working on hybrid. So what we're using now, the concurrent learning strategies, what we're dusting off, but um, the administration team spent a lot of time working on what would concurrent learning look like, and especially with better lesson meeting with them and trying to make a coherent strategy that we ended up having ready for now. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's fortuitous that you didn't have to jump into it because I always think about like back in the fall like for because I have family that had was they started out in person but then they kept going back and forth mm -hmm. and I'm like that has to be really hard for the students and for the teachers and that's one of the things I'm glad that we kind of were just we're going to do this for now and then when we can we'll make the change absolutely stability is good that's been one of the really good things about you know, I, I too have friends and family who work at different school systems who are have been jumping back and forth and never knowing, like, are we going back? Are we not? It's been very helpful that SPS has said, nope, this is our plan for the next couple months. So it's not, okay, am I going to have to pack up all my stuff? What am I going to do? So that has been very helpful. Yes, I, I completely agree with that.
into this school year, you guys took away things that worked, things that didn't work. It sounded like from the spring to this school year. What has been some of the things that you have been most excited about that you've done with your students? I, I actually got a, a Sony um, ZV-1 camera, like it's a podcasting, vlogging camera. Mm-hmm. And I got it because it had product showcase mode. And I just happened to see an advertisement for it on YouTube. And I'm like, that would be perfect for demonstrations. So when I'm modeling for my students, things I'd have them do in class that I can't have them do, like here, I'm not going to ask the students, go buy a package of beads so that we can do this probability experiment where I can be like, here, look, here, watch me pull out the beads. And it zooms in and it's cool to be able to have that sort of hands-on modeling um, where it focus auto-focuses for you and gets all of the, the, the the high quality engagement that you'd want, that you would love for the students to be able to do, but at least they're able to to see it how I'm doing the experiment because most of statistics is pretty boring. If you can't do hands-on activities, that's the, you know, that's what engages students. So I try to replicate as much as that if possible, doing card sorts, having them go say, you can grab scrap paper. It doesn't matter. Just write some things on, hold it up to Zoom. Show me what you're pulling out of your bag so we can all figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So that's been... Uh, Using that has been pretty good, um, helpful. The other thing I did end up getting was actually this time a Surface book so that I could annotate on the screen. Like I've used the Wacom, I have a Wacom one as well, which is the monitor version, but I also like, and a Wacom, just the writing tablet, but it's nice to be able to see it on the screen. And I like to be able to annotate, especially in math. It's making your own whiteboard because you can use your mouse, but what's great is because the students all have their own laptops, in Nearpod, they can annotate and write out the equations and I can see it in real time, mm-hmm. which is nice because you don't want them tidy, typing out the standard deviation of, you know, and all the different <laughs> symbols and trying to do that. So it's really helpful to have it on the screen. So that's not something I used as much previously. And I've really encouraged all the math teachers to use Nearpod so that they can see. And what's nice is obviously it's live as they're doing it so that you can see them solving and writing the equations so that you can get more student engagement because you can say, oh, wait, I've noticed, you know, oh, every single student is doing it wrong or setting it up or, okay, yeah, everybody got that one. I don't need to do the next slide. So it's been helpful in real time. And that's something I'm going to absolutely take back when we're in person because it saves you. Obviously, you still want the interaction, not now with COVID, but with (laughs) being close to the students and see what they're doing. But it's nice not to have to go to every single piece of paper and be like, okay, where are they at? Just that one screen's got it. Yeah, that that's one of the great things. I love Nearpod. I I wore a shirt yesterday, a T-shirt uh, um, that has says like um, I just got engaged, but it's all like student engage hashtag student engagement on it. It's that's always awesome. been fun to wear that during trainings because people are like, will post into like the Zoom chats like congratulations. Like yeah, no, you don't quite can't read the hashtag because <laughs> all you see is the student engagement part. Yeah, and that's student engagement with Nearpod is really awesome, and so and, it's great to hear that, and that's great to hear that you're going to be bringing it back with you too. And yeah, and I also really like the immersive reader in there, especially for the ELL students, and then the opportunity. Um, I teach obviously seniors, so Flipgrid isn't really their cup of tea as much as the younger kids. I used to use it more often when I was working with middle school students, but 
to be able to record their answers. They do like that when you can do the audio recording of the answer instead of typing it out. So share your thoughts kind of like we're doing right now. And they, they like that better than having to type out a lot of sentences. So I really, really like that. That is great. So with concurrent learning starting up in the next few weeks, um, how have you thought about how you're going to be doing it? Like with setting up your classroom, like can you talk about that? <laughs> a little bit, um, because again, we're uh, six through 12, the students are staying in one spot, but the teachers are moving. So we're going to be on a cart. So in terms of technology, I know I'm going to have my laptop, which I will be able to hook up to a smart board because they are in every single room. But I'm actually going to just start with, okay, I'm going to teach it just like I would as a remote lesson to start and just get comfortable with that, iron out the wrinkles and not try to do too much new right away. And that's what I'm encouraging all the teachers to do. Just, you've gotten good at this. We've been doing it for over a year now. So bring what you've already know and are good at into those first couple days. Don't try to introduce anything too new. And then maybe pick one thing you're going to add. Okay. So I'm going to have maybe the in school, the in-class students paired up with somebody at home, and that's going to be their group. So that's uh, some ideas working for, but definitely taking it slow and just focusing on continuing that student engagement piece, because especially with some of them being in and some of the students not being home, that's going to be an added challenge, but just want to make sure everybody, the social-emotional needs of the students are getting met. So that's my top priority. Yeah, I think anytime anyone has asked asked me about like, oh, what should I be doing? I'm like, teach it like you you are remote, except for now you've got some people in front of you and remote. Yes. I feel like that's, I feel like that's just going to be one of the better ways to like be able to reach all students. One of the things that you mentioned that I find interesting is because you're a middle school and a high school and you're doing six to 12, the teachers are moving on carts. Does that mean like because I just remember high school and I had classes with different students all the time. Mm -hmm. So have you guys figured out how that's going to work? Um, they're trying to get as many into one cohort as possible. And then if the students in front of you may be zooming into another class in the building. So they may be in person, just not with you. So they'll be in another room. So it's like a third layer of difficulty. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very much so. And, you know, obviously a lot of the teachers are like, well, what do we do about that? And said, so just let's see what it's going to look like. Just work on just like your pretender at home, but now you've got these students in front of you and we'll work out the kinks as we, as we go, because we don't know how zooming it, it zooming's going to be in the building. We don't know like loud, if it's going to be too loud, if what, you know, where do you need to set up students? If they're, you know, zooming to another classroom, do they need to be in this back corner? Do they need reassigned seats? So I said, just worry about supporting your students and we'll, we'll get the logistics as we can. So if teachers are moving room to room, I'm still kind of stuck on this because <laughs> this is a very interesting concept because I haven't thought about it yet. So <laughs> if teachers are moving room to room and students are staying in one room and in your AP statistics class, you have students that may be 11th grade English and 12th grade English just because of their math abilities. They might be stronger in math but they're, they're in different classes. Who's the teacher who's going to be there with them? And is that teacher going to be 
trying to also teach a lesson at the same time. Yes, that teacher is also going to be teaching a lesson at the same time. So the English teacher may be delivering a lesson to the bulk of her class while one student is zooming in with me teaching students in another classroom. And then another student may be zooming in, say, to math lab at that time. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my my mind is like trying to process all of this right now. <laughs> sounds like you guys have your hands Oh, yes, yeah, we we absolutely do. I, I we can do it. I'm confident, uh, but it's going to be one of those things that I truly believe that we'll figure it out once everybody's back. I think spending you you want to plan and you want to get organized, but you could spend the next we could spend the next doing nothing the next three weeks until the sixth grade, um, you know, the seventh and eighth grade come back trying to figure out how this is going to work logistically. And it would be an entirely new set of problems and they show up. So I think having a nice global plan, pretend you're teaching remotely and we'll figure it out from there should, uh, should cover most things for now. Yeah. It makes me actually think of like driver's ed because in driver's ed, you learn a lot of, at least up in Vermont where I'm from, like you had to, you didn't get a chance to drive the car before you got your learner's permit because you had to read and study to take the test, but you had to do, that's all paper and that's like, yes or no, but like once you're in the car, like it's a whole different ball game. Absolutely. Yes. So that's, that's what I've learned through all this. I guess when talking about major takeaways, I'm a planner. I love to have everything mapped out. I'm a total optimist, but I may hope for the best plan for the worst type of scenario. But I've learned through this, the, the pandemic, to realize that spending a lot of time planning doesn't make sense when you really don't know. Like, try to find one or two things you can control, work hard on those, and deal with everything else as it comes up rather than trying to plan for it in advance. That is control what you can. That, I think that's just an important life thing in general. Yeah. Um, I know I don't want to jump too far ahead, but hopefully in September, we will have 100% students back. What um, Other than continuing to use the Nearpod, um, are there any other things that have worked during this time that you want to try to integrate when everybody is fully back? I'm not really sure. I used a ton of technology beforehand. So mm-hmm. what I'm excited about is how much other teachers have seen the technology can be used and how you can use it to support students by almost a flipped classroom model. I guess maybe that's it. Maybe integrating more of a flipped classroom model where I have all these videos now that I've made, all these activities, maybe have them watch some of that and come back and we do actually the fun hands-on stuff where they do the math-based, where they can pause it, re-watch it and get a better sense because uh, one of the things I have learned too here is, and will definitely carry over, is how precise you need to be in planning because there is no winging it when you are virtual and you have your Nearpod set up exactly how it needs to be. You have to get really, really precise on how you're teaching and planning. And so I think using those skills going forward to make sure that everything's as organized as it was now will be beneficial to the students. Yeah, that... That makes a lot of sense. So, 
Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time today. So I'm going to get to what I think is the most important question is pre-pandemic and pandemic. One of the things that I've learned a lot about is as teachers, we need to take care of ourselves because we would have Monday through Friday, many of us, I mean, I was in elementary, so I'd be 7.15 in my building um, before students, and then I'd be there till five to six, possibly later. And then on the weekends, it's all lesson planning and grading also. So there wasn't a lot of time to take care of myself or, and I imagine that's true for many teachers that because of the amount of work that we all do, there's not a lot of time for that. Pandemic, it became even more obvious that we needed to be taking care of ourselves because you can't fake, you can fake it in person, but you can't fake it over the computer. That would get called out pretty quickly. (laughs) Um, So what are some things that you have done that we can use to help encourage other teachers to take care of themselves? I think I've, uh, what I try to do is at six o'clock, I try not to check my my email or try to make sure that everything's done at six. So that way I can use that as my, my family time and my relaxing time. Um, it was a struggle for a while because I hurt my ankle, so I can't run outside, but I love to run. So I would go to the gym and run. Well, obviously that, that was how I uh, decompressed pre- pre-COVID, but now getting some of the apps that I like for yoga and working out just to use that as my my quiet time and trying to say, no, I'm not responding to any emails. I'm not doing any work as much as possible after 6 p.m. and structuring that time for what's best for me so that I can walk away from the computer too, because obviously that's a full day on screen is is tiring. And I was glad to see they came out with some, the research on Zoom fatigue. I'm like, why am I so tired after (laughs) doing this all of the time? So making sure that I'm spending that time saying, no, there's no screen time after six o'clock so that I can relax and walk away. And it's nice now that the weather's getting nicer. I like to walk outside, even though I can't run, (laughs) I'll go uh, walk and enjoy some time outside with my family. So that's been nice. Awesome. Outside is always a great remedy for taking care of yourself. Yes. Well, thank you for your time. It's been great to chat. We'll look forward to hearing how the rest of the school year goes. So thank you. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to the seeing my students in person as well. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine, for being able to take some time out of your day and share with us. If you can't tell, Catherine was definitely a DIY tech teacher as she did a lot of things herself. Um, It was great to hear about using applets like the TI-84. And I remember those calculators. They were expensive back in the day. And I also remember that I mostly played games on them and I didn't really do my work as much as I should have because it was just fun to have a calculator and play a game because it looked like you were doing work. Anyways... Uh, It's also great to hear how Nearpod and Desmos is being used and how at conservatory back in the summer, they were already thinking about how to do concurrent learning because that's what they thought we were going to be coming back to. So for them, having a plan before they needed the plan is awesome. That's some pretty good foresight there by the leadership at the school. And the whole camera is awesome, too. I've seen those cameras in action. If you haven't, you should go look them up. The Sony ZV-1 cameras, they're awesome. And you probably also heard a little bit of um, my confusion with how they were going to be doing concurrent learning 
because, as I said, you could have students in multiple classes while the teacher's in the room teaching a different group of students. It's very confusing to me. But the year's almost over, and they have made it work. So, bravo. So as we wrap up today, I just want to thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, make sure you leave us a five-star review out on wherever you happen to be listening to the podcast. If you loved this episode of the SPS Digital Learning Hour and you love the things that we've been talking about, make sure that you are sharing it um, and also subscribing and leaving reviews and rating. That's how it moves up and that's how more people can hear. And so we'd very much like to get more out there with all the amazing things that are happening here in Springfield as it is so great to hear great teachers talking about their teaching and being excited about it. So thank you again for spending some time with me. I am Mike Thomas, the Bearded Tech Ed Guy, and this is the SPS Digital Learning Hour. The SPS Digital Learning Hour is written, directed, produced, audio engineered, key gripped, all the other things that go into production is all done by Mike Thomas of OITA and the DLA department. Music that you are hearing is from Risen, awesome artist out on SoundCloud. Check out in our show notes links to their music 